I want to invite your attention to just one passage found in the book of Proverbs, the 18th chapter, and verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. For a little while this afternoon, I want to talk about the value of a good friend. The value of good relationships, the kind of friends that we want, and how to maintain good relationships in our life. As social creatures living on this earth, it's impossible to avoid associations with fellow human beings. In fact, as Christians, it's very important that our dealings with other people be conducted with wisdom. Paul wrote to those in Colossae in Colossians chapter 4 and beginning in verse 5. He said, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now, obviously, Paul is speaking specifically of our conduct with those who are not Christians. But certainly it would apply to Christian friends as well. And you know, God in His all-sufficient Word has provided the wisdom necessary whereby we can develop good friendships, good relationships with those that are around us, and in doing so be able to avoid the pitfalls that too often destroy good friendships. Let me just say as we begin, that in our life there becomes a point in time in our life when we're younger, that the greatest influences that we have are our parents. Something happens, though, in time, and sometimes the outer peripheral issues or the people in our life, our friends in our life, whatever it might be, become a greater influence, at least for a period of time. Let me share with you something about my father. My father was the smartest man in the world. That's a fact. When I was a boy, there was absolutely nothing that my father could not do. He was the greatest man in the world. He was the smartest man in the world. He was the wisest man in the world. He was the strongest man in the world. My father was my hero. But something happened to him very tragically. He lost all his wisdom. He lost all of his knowledge. He lost all of his strength. It was very sad. It was a very sad and tragic thing that happened to him. You know what happened to him all of a sudden one day that he lost all that? It's when I became a teenager. And all of a sudden, my father didn't know anything. I'm very grateful, though, that in, over the process of time, my father made a tremendous comeback. In fact, it was amazing. By the time I got into my 20s, all of a sudden, my father was coming back. He was, he was coming back around. And pretty soon, oh, maybe 23, 24... He was the smartest man, once again, in my life. Well, there are a difference between associations and friends. In fact, my dad used to tell me all the time, he used to say that in your life you will have many associations, but if you can say that in your life you've had five real friends, I'm talking about five best friends, I'm talking about the kind of person that you can call them in the middle of the night and the circumstances do not matter and they are there for you. I'm talking about a best friend. He said that in your lifetime, if you can say you've had five Consider yourself very, very fortunate. Big difference between associations. You know, you're going to have a lot of associations in your life. I've had them in my life too. I left Cal Poly in 1990. I was there from 85 to 90. 
And during that process of those five years, I had friends that I went to school with. I had friends that I rodeoed with. We traveled together and all of that. And I'm going to tell you, I remember when we all were going to leave, I remember we stood there. We were going to be bosom buddies forever. We said what we're going to do, we're going to play golf once a year for the rest of our life, no matter where we live. And by the way, we haven't done it once. So 1990, haven't done it once. We said that we were going to be bosom buddies for life. You know what happened? I moved away, and the thing that we had in common, we no longer had anymore. So all of a sudden, there was nothing really. There's no basis for the great friendship we thought we had. If you remove what you had in common, then all of a sudden, we weren't buddies anymore. Now, that's an association, and we have them in our life. We have those in our lifetime. But there's a difference between a friend and an association. I want to talk about a friend now. A friend is truly a source of comfort in our life. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17, the Bible says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And you know, this is in good times and bad. A good friend also is a source of sincere support. You know, I referenced this the other night, but I want to read the passage. I want to talk about the difference between a true, legitimate friend that is, that is sincere and somebody that is insincere. John chapter 11, really, really quickly. Mary and Martha lose Lazarus. He's dead. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene. I just want to read two verses to you. First of all, John chapter 11 and verse 33. Listen to this. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit, and he was troubled. I made mention of this passage early on in the meeting, and I told you that the word groan there means to be filled with indignation, to be disgusted, to be angry. Why was that? Because Jesus looked to the insincere professional mourners among the Jews that had come there to wail and make all kinds of noise because they believed in mourning. That's insincere. Look at verse 35. Jesus wept. That's a whole different word. That word wept is not the same word when it said the Jews were weeping. The Jews were wailing outside as an outward show of mourning and all of that. But when Jesus wept, that word wept means silent tears. He was sincere, the greatest friend we will ever have. And the amazing thing is Jesus knew all along he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet he was so sincere in his support and comfort to them that he wept anyway. You know, there's a big difference between being sincere and insincere. I have a little story to tell you. My sister Louise, I probably shouldn't bring her up in sermons as much as I do, but my sister Louise, married to Brett Hickey, I love her to death. She's the most sincere person I've ever met in my life. She's tender-hearted. That's just Louise. And growing up, me, well, not so much. Well, one day, I was about 11. She was 12, and the... Uh, congregation we we had services that night and after services the men had a little business meeting and as they were doing that we decided to leave and my mother and there was four of us kids we got in a car and we went uh, over to a sister's house and uh, we were just sitting there and 
Louise and I started laughing, and then we started really cutting up. We started playing games, and my mom kept getting mad at us. My mother kept telling us to knock it off, but you know how it is. Well, maybe you don't, but I'll tell you how it was with me. When you start laughing, I couldn't stop. And we were being extremely immature. I still am. But here we go, and my mother completely overreacted. She absolutely overreacted. She was so mad. We got in the car. You know what my mom did? We got in the car, and I knew this too. I knew if we were going to get in trouble that I needed to be in the back seat all the way over on the opposite side against the door. That's where I needed to be because my father had really long arms. Knew all about that. We get in the car, and all of a sudden, my mother says, Oh, Bob, Bob, we've got real problems, Bob. We've got real problems with these two, Bob. They were terrible. And I just kind of peeked up and saw my dad in the corner there in that mirror. And he's getting madder by the minute. And all of a sudden, I turned and I looked and there was Louise, just tears streaming down her face. Oh, she was so repentant and sorry and sad and all that. And she went in and gave the longest, longest heartfelt apology. She said, I'm so ashamed. I'm, I'm so sorry, Daddy, and went on and on and on. And I got to tell you, the more she talked, the madder I got. You know why? I wasn't sorry, and I still think my mother overreacted. She's bawling, and I looked up, and my dad's starting to melt, and I'm thinking, really? Really? Well, about that time, she was done. And then all of a sudden, my dad's face changed again because he starts thinking about me. And just about that time, I knew I had to do something. So I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> We got home, Louise got a hug, and I got a whipping. <laughs> Big difference between being sincere and insincere. My mother did overreact, though. Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh close to a brother. Now, what else do we know about friends? We know that friends can be a source of good counsel. That's advice. I'm talking about counsel that can delight the heart. Proverbs 27 and 9 says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. How many times have you behaved improperly or you made a bad choice because you listened to bad advice? Now when somebody gives you bad advice, it's not their fault if you take it. It's your fault if you take it. It's about accountability. If I make bad choices because somebody gave me uh, bad advice, it's still my fault and I still have to stand there, put my big boy pants on and take it like a man. It's the way it is. But I got to tell you, every single time I ever made a bad choice in my life, every time, there was always somebody nearby that was dumber than I was telling me what a great idea I had. Good advice is priceless. Bad advice is dangerous. It's very important as we value good counsel. Let me say further to all of you that are young here. All of you that are young. When you have older people in your life and they've got silver hair and wrinkles on their face, you listen to them. Those wrinkles are life's war maps. That's a fact. I'm going to tell you something. In life, you need wisdom. I need wisdom. We all need wisdom in our life. We all need that. There are various ways that we actually get wisdom, by the way. We get wisdom by asking God. And the Bible says when we ask God, God gives it liberally. That's number one. 
Number two, there's another way that we get wisdom. You know what that is? When you mess up, you make a bad mistake, then you recover from the bad mistake, and then you learn over the process of what you did. You learn from the mistake, and then you gain wisdom because now you know what you shouldn't have done and what you should have done, right? I like what somebody said one time, though. He said, it's not possible for a person to mess up enough and survive to have all the wisdom that you're going to need for your life. Where do we get it then? We learn from the, from the experiences of others. That's called advice. And those that are older than we are are precious for us. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, Having a good friend that can be trusted to be a good source of counsel is a great blessing. But having friends that are dependable is not always easy. Now, have you ever had a friend that let you down? Sometimes friends do let us down. I want to notice about choosing friends here for just a minute. These are people that we don't want. Number one, we don't want those that are guilty of gossip. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19, it says, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. All right. Somebody might say, but I'm not gossiping. I'm just repeating facts that are in evidence. Is there a difference? Yes. Just because somebody repeats something does not mean that it's gossip. If you want to know if it's gossip or not, then just put the following questions to it. Number one, am I a peacemaker or a peacebreaker? Number two, am I just as quick to tell something good about somebody as I am something bad about somebody? Number three, and I got this from a little sister. I preached this sermon years ago somewhere, and she told me this. She said, my mama taught me this. I wrote it down. Ask yourself the following three things. Is this going to help me? If I repeat it, will it help me? Will it help the person I'm telling? Or will it help the person that I'm telling about? If the answer to any one of those three is no, then don't tell it. Don't repeat it. We don't want to be those that are with those that gossip. Proverbs 20, 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Here's another one. Short-tempered, hotheads, I guess you might say. We don't want that guy around either. Proverbs 22, beginning in verse 24. Make no friends with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Here's another one. Those that are guilty of drinking and gluttony. How many Christians have been influenced by these even though they thought that they would be strong? Listen to this. Proverbs 23, beginning in verse 20. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. i got to tell you, I can't tell you the number of people in my life that I have known that thought, a young person, for example, I don't drink but I'm a strong Christian. And if I go and kind of hang out with them, it's okay because I'm really, really strong. 
I'm going to tell you something. The, one, the times that we think that we are the strongest, be very careful. Be very, very careful. We stay away from that. We don't want friends like that. How many people thought that they could be strong, but they fell? No wonder the, word, the Bible says this. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 1. This is the perfect formula of what to do when you have friends that are doing the things that friends should not do. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 1. This is what we do. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive to the as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse, my son. Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path. In other words, when they're going in one direction, you go in the opposite direction. Here's another one. Those that are liars and those that are not trustworthy. Proverbs 25 and 18, it says, A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. All right, let's talk about some kind of friends that we do want, though. Here's some people that we do want as friends. Number one, those that display wisdom themselves. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, why is that? Because their good teaching and their good advice, their good counsel. Now, Proverbs 13 and 14 says, The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So, we want to have the kind of friends that display wisdom. Those that are good counsel and good teaching and good advice. The flip side, the contrast, the wrong friends we don't want. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good morals. The ones that we want to hang on to. We want to hang on to good, wise friends. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes we're going to have friendships and we're going to have problems. Here's some things to avoid that disrupt good friendship. Things to avoid. Number one, don't repeat everything that you hear. You know, if somebody actually wrote a book of the 10 easy ways to lose a friend overnight, this would be on it. Don't repeat what you hear. Sometimes people get so under pressure if somebody tells them something, they just got to share, they got to get rid of it. They got to tell somebody else. If you want to maintain a good friendship, a good relationship, don't repeat the things that you hear. Proverbs 17 and 9 says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Somebody confides in us to help. They're asking for our help. Don't tell any other people about it. Keep that to yourself. What else? Avoid senseless arguments. I got to tell you, I've been married 26 years. And right before I got married, there was an old Jewish man. Oh, I love this guy. His name was Cy Rhine. And Cy sat me down. He was married, I don't know, 175 years. And he sat me down. He had all this wisdom about marriage. 
and I really appreciated it because we were sitting there and he said, you know what, Frankie, I got to tell you something. I was Frankie to everybody then. Frankie, I got to tell you something. If you want the secret to being married, like me, 185 years, if that's what you want, let me tell you a little bit of advice. Avoid senseless arguments. And then he put it like this. He said, you and Tina, you will shoulder the load together of the big stuff. You will climb the mountains that are the big stuff in your relationship. You'll do that without a problem. You'll have hard times, but you'll hand in hand, you'll handle that. And that won't hurt your relationship at all. It'll strengthen your relationship. You know what he said, though? You better avoid the pebble in the shoe. He said, the pebble in the shoe is the problem. The senseless argument. How many times have we have something grown into something that was huge, but it just started off as a little pebble? Here's another one. Don't meddle in other people's affairs. I got to tell you, years ago, I got some really good advice when I was going to go out and preach. I was going to hold gospel meetings. And I got some really good advice. And the advice was, don't meddle in other people's affairs. Go preach your sermons. Be there to help. But don't get involved when it's not yours to be involved with. And it's not yours to get involved with. Don't do that. Now there's a difference between somebody asking a preacher to help set in order the things that are wanting or lacking or help with the matter. Big difference than somebody that just butts in and, and uh, gets involved in things that are not his business. Don't meddle in affairs, not your own. Proverbs 26 and 17, watch this. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belongeth not to him is like one that takes a dog by the ears. Picture that. Go up to a great big mean dog and just get you hoped. Just grab a mean dog by the ears. That's what it's like when you meddle in affairs that are not your own. Here's another one. Don't be a tailbearer. In Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. You know, following such advice, one is less likely to offend his or her friends, but sometimes we do. And sometimes regaining their confidence is not easy. In fact, in Proverbs 18 and 19, it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So, what can be done? What can be done? How can we solve problems with relationships that have grown cold? Well, first of all, we need to make sure that we are at peace with the Lord. We need to make sure that our life is as it ought to be. Proverbs 16 and 17 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, for example, in Matthew chapter 7, it's one of the most misunderstood and misapplied concepts in all the teachings of Jesus. You know what people say? Don't judge. People say that all the time. Jesus said, don't judge. Yeah, that's not what Jesus said. That's not what he said. And he didn't say this either. Everybody's got their own problems. You keep your beams, I'll have my speck, and we'll all just have our own stuff. He didn't say that either. 
He said, clean up your backyard first. He said, first remove the plank or the beam that is in your eye so that you can do what? So that you can see clearly to help your neighbor, your brother, get the speck out of his eye. Help each other. But I have to understand this. I have to make sure that my life is as it ought to be if I'm going to go talk to somebody else. You know what they're going to say? Hey, what about your backyard? Clean up your stuff, Frank. Here's another one. Be slow to anger. Proverbs 15 and 18. Don't fly off the handle. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Also in James 1, 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. i got to tell you. I don't know how it is with you, but there are certain things with me that are my shortcomings. And I know you have shortcomings too. And the shortcomings you have may not be the same as I have. The next one I'm going to talk about, it was my shortcoming. Here it is. I need to be a slow responder, but that's not me. I'm better. I'm a lot better now than I ever have been. But I've always been one of those quick responders. In other words, you just say it. And how many times do you respond quickly and then you regret what you said? And if only you'd have kept your mouth shut and thought about it for a minute, maybe you wouldn't have said it. Proverbs 18 and 13. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. Here's another one, folks. Speak gently. How you say it is everything. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. i got to share something with you. How you say it is everything. Years ago, I used to weigh 50 pounds more than I do now. And I went to the doctor, and I went in there, and I had a physical, and they took all the blood, and my numbers were all out of whack and all that. And the doctor brought me in and very kindly said, Now, Frank, what we have to do is well, you need to lose some weight. Um, because your numbers aren't right and all this and that. And I took it, what he said, and I said, okay, and okay, doc. And over the next couple of years, I lost the weight. You know what happened? I'm so glad he said it like that. Because you know what happened when I went back? I walked in there, and I'm just so proud of myself. I lost the 50 pounds. I'm just, I'm just ecstatic, right? I'm going to get pats on the back. He's going to really cheer me on. Watch, watch what happens. I went in there. I weighed. I was so happy. Couldn't wait for him to walk in the room. You know what he said? I'm so glad you lost the weight. Because, man, you were really fat. I'm glad he said it differently before. How you say it is everything. For example, what would you rather hear? A man said one time, what would you rather hear? How would you rather hear this phrase? Would you rather have your spouse say to you, Honey, when I look at you, time just stands still. Would you rather hear it like that, or, man, you got a face that can stop a clock? You're kind of saying the same thing, but how you say it is everything. Speak gently. And I'll tell you something else too, folks. There's more than one way to remove a fly from somebody's forehead. You don't need a hammer. You don't need a hammer. Speak gently. Another one. 
be quick to show love. Proverbs 10 and 12 says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. I'll tell you something, folks. When we're working to reestablish relationships that have grown cold and calloused over the years because of hard feelings, these are principles, just a short little sermon that God has given us in His Word. If that's the case, let's be proactive in tearing down walls and let's start building bridges into the lives of others that we, perhaps we had relationships with that have grown cold. Do you realize that when you're talking about Christians, we are talking about spending eternity together? I don't understand sometimes when relationships grow cold and now there's hard feelings. I've seen places where people in the very same congregation won't even look at them, won't even look at the other person. We're trying to work to get to heaven, to be together in heaven, and we can't get along for a little while in this life. Let's be proactive with all of those relationships and let's tear down the walls and start building bridges in the lives of others with the right heart. You know, one man said you don't have to depend on the trial and error method to win friends and influence people. You just don't. The Word of God's very clear. If we have some relationship issues, let's make sure we're at peace with the Lord before we go and try to deal with that. Let's be slow to anger, slow to respond. Always speak gently, gently and let's be quick to show love. But finally, and in closing, practical conclusion. I like practical stuff. I love practical stuff. By the way, what I'm about to tell you, I got from my dad, the guy that ended up becoming a brilliant, wise man after I grew up. Okay? Watch this. If somebody wrongs you, let it go. Let it go. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we talk about that as going to the law against a brother, and we do, and that's right. But the theme there is just be defrauded. What's the big deal? If somebody wrongs you, get over it. Let it go. If you wrong somebody else, make it right. Fix it. When we do a good deed for somebody else, don't keep score. Forget it. And finally, if somebody does something good for you, remember it always. I'll tell you something. It might be hard here and there. You plug that in, you're going to get along with people. You sure are. And it's going to help you get over stuff too. I've heard people say, well, we don't want to let so-and-so off the hook. They've offended me and I'm not going to let them off the hook. You know, Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. He had a terrible period of time in his life and all the circumstances negatively that happened as a result of all that. But the Bible says that he named his first son Manasseh, which means God has made me to forget all the trouble of my father's house. Joseph was letting himself off the hook. It wasn't a matter, I'm not going to let my brothers off the hook. He let himself off the hook. What he meant by that is, I'm not going to be evilly influenced anymore or negatively influenced anymore by what was done to me. Just let it go. Get over it. You wrong others, let's remember it and make it right. Do something good for someone, don't keep score. But if somebody does something good for you, remember it always. It will help practically in every relationship you have in life.